This is sort of middle of our country. We go from Bailabur in the north down to Dunshockland, which is near Dublin, across to Edenderry in North Kildare, and then across to Jalik on the east side. So we've huge country, but we share that with a couple of other packs. And this meet today is Beliver, a small little town in central Meath, flat country, uh, lovely ditches, big ditches. Ditches are mostly the obstacles we jump in this county because of the drainage that has to be done to produce the land dry enough for farming over the centuries. And they produce a fabulous obstacle. Uh, we will be jumping a few gates and poles because some of the farmers around here are nice and friendly and they put up obstacles for us. Sometimes you meet at a pub. A lot of the meets up here are at pubs. Sometimes it's at a crossroads. But inevitably, if you're here early, we always try and come in and everybody meets or settles up, whatever they settle up during the day. And then we usually end at the same pub. You know, unless you end up miles from the meet and the horse boxes collect and then everybody comes back to the pub afterwards. I always find, anyway, particularly hunting in Mead, that it's always two or three degrees colder up here than it is in, uh, in Dublin. So uh, it's uh, for medicinal purposes, I would argue, anyway. Cheers. <laughs> oh, there, are a few, there are a few quite large ditches. I left, we left you in one, one day. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> you left me in many all over me. Well, the, the last day we, I was out, I ended up on my tail end, but Michael did as well, so I haven't been out for three weeks, and he hasn't been out for about ten days. But I was standing there at the mirror this morning, and I said, will I or won't I put a change? And then I said, no, because if I put a change in, I'm bound to come off, yeah. And then I said, because a lot of the, at this moment, you know, with all the water, a lot of the uh, ditches will be full of water. And I said, no. Definitely not. So we left them at home. So you weren't before, you? No, you definitely not. <laughs> Actually, it's lovely if you can get cracking around here because there's very little wire, yes. and it's great. You know, it's um, it's nice, and the farmers are very pro us. They enjoy having us, which is great. Will you give you a description of all the big ditches when we go? It's twice as big when you get back to the pub, you know. Yeah, heroic dude. Well, I've been an ex-master. I've been I was, uh, hunting the hounds for 50 years, and I broke my neck, unfortunately, five years ago. And uh, so now I take a great interest in the hunt still, and I love to get out in the car, follow them around, and see what I can. Of course, it's not as good as being on a horse, but uh, uh, it's... it's yeah, we still love to do it anyway. And the longest-serving master in these islands, I think, aren't you, darling? Yes, well, so they tell me. Trouble is, when he was hunting, a house, uh, he would jump a house if necessary. He loved to be with his hounds, but he always had very good horses. And it was just unfortunate the accident he had. Then a lorry drove into him and he broke two vertebrae later. I've been hunting with the tires since 1980 because we moved down to Longwood in 1980. And I joined uh, George Briscoe and I've been helping him since about 1985. In that time, we have... Well, we hunt the hare and the fox, but because of reps, because of sheep wire, a hare will run rings round us. We have a, Generally, we have a hope of catching him. 
um, he can use the, the countryside to his own benefit. And they swap with each other. If the hare gets tired, he'll swap. He'll pick up his um, next-door neighbour and let him do the running for a while. But in the 15 years that I'm talking about, uh, I think we've killed two or three hares. And they were old and um, injured hares. So I, I have no problem with that. As, as regards to foxes, we're hunting more and more foxes because there are more of them. We would kill very few for the same reason. The land is res- restraining us and the, the physical aspects of farming are restraining us and restraining the hounds from actually catching a fox. But in some areas we do and we're quite successful. The farmers encourage us to, to kill a fox if we get the opportunity. Hello, babies, how are you? We're going to have a lovely day out having fun. Yes. You're good girls. You're very good girls. Oh, they are sweet. <laughs> oh, you know, there's Terry. They're a nice pattern, aren't they? You're very beautiful, yes. Yes, you are. Our huntsman today is uh, Terry Dowdle from, from Navan. Good morning, Terry. Morning, Kevin. How, how, how are things? Oh, no, well, it seems all right. It seems everything seems to be OK. Yeah, I rang those few fellas we didn't see on Saturday um, up at the back of where we're hunting, and everything was ground. So we can, we can use that block any way you want. It depends how we run, of course. We'll go down the road here now to about a mile outside the village where they have the Beliver Show on Joe Ging's farm, and we'll head off across there... And way up towards Raharney is the direction we're taking. And we'll hit, I suppose, about 10 or 12 farmers today that we've seen already over the weekend. Uh, we don't go anywhere without permission. We've no business on any man's land anyway without permission. And then we'll cover as much as the area we've organised. And if we get a run, we get a run after a hare or a fox. And um, if we don't, we'll just work the country and give the followers a bit of, bit of jumping. We'll follow them round, and they'll, when they go into the field, we'll, we'll go out. We'll put our, our Labradors on the lead, and we go and walk them and try and have a bit of exercise and follow them round. And with a bit of luck, we pick them up further on. It isn't very easy in, in, uh, in, in the centre of me because it's very flat. I go twice a week to the hunt, basically. Just I'm my official job is cap collector. Now it's an unpaid job, but just it's voluntary thing. It's a nonary position, I suppose you might say. If you're a farmer or you're a member of the hundred landowner, it's just ten pounds for the day's hunting. That's basically now it's it's very simple, you know. There's nothing extravagant about it. Um, it's just for the upkeep of the hunt and pays the huntsman's wages and things. You know, that's more or less it now. I would describe that as a dirty big black hole. 
that it would take a good man in his normal, in, in good health to even attempt to cross it on his own without the horse. You'd want to have a crowd of people together to, to just to get up and get out and do it. It's whatever happens between us and when we get going that turns the excitement up. Just the same as the horses. You can see the way the horse won't stand still. That's because he's excited. He wants to go on and have his fun as well. I really, really enjoy jumping big, clean fences. I hunt for the love of the sport and the enjoyment of watching all the hands work. When I get up on my horse in the morning on a day's hunting, if it's a nice day, it's an absolute bonus. But when we go into the first field, it it completely takes all the stresses of the week away. You forget about everything that you've left behind, like your children, your work, and you just look forward to the sport for the the whole complete sport for the day. And what you find is, from the first field and getting up in the morning, suddenly five hours have passed and it's four o'clock. And you get off your horse at the end of the day and you said, wow, that was really nice. And you have completely, completely wiped everything else from your mind. a big fence now and I feel really nervous but I know I have to do it and if I don't do it I'm going to get left behind so that's it, I jump it and when I get to a fence I'm I'm terrified and the, the bigger it, are, it is the more frightened I am uh, but once I get over it I'm absolutely delighted with myself really, really thrilled, it gives me a great great thrill to, to jump um, I usually hang on to the next trap A lot of times I end up between his ears, but I usually manage to stay on. I work in Dublin in a bank, so when I'm hunting, I get up. I leave the house at a quarter to seven. I get into work at half past seven in the city, and I leave again at half past eleven. I take a half day to hunt. This morning I got up at five to six and packed all my hunting gear with me, put it in the car, and went off to work, and then drove straight to the meet, and my husband usually takes the horse to the meet for me. And I try and hunt about once a week if I can. (laughs) <laughs> well, nobody else in the bank hunts and um, they all sort of turn up their nose when they hear I'm going hunting <laughs> I think it's because of the, uh, the, the kill element you know, they, they think I'm out killing animals <laughs> it's not like that at all um, the first fence we came to today was an upright and um, after jumping it he stumbled and I went right out across his head <laughs> Oh, I think my friends in the bank would probably be delighted that I had a fall. <laughs> Just coming up to a big white ditch here now. Steady, steady. Let's take a good look. What? <laughs> the man. That was one of those very wide ditches that you need to sit back. Hold the back of the saddle or hail a taxi, which means balancing yourself on the back of the saddle with your hand up in the air, which actually comes naturally to most people. Keeps the balance in the middle of the saddle so you won't get unseated when you land at the far side. But a very nice big ditch and wide.
there are some more elm trees here that have been fallen from the Dutch elm disease for a number of years there, and they have been laying about there. So I just got the idea that it was a shame to see them. You know, when you open the gate there and they gallop through it, I'm going to just put those across there and leave it. It's slightly more difficult. But there's also a couple of lovely ditches that they jump, but in my opinion, they slide down into it, some of them, and then they, 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 they gallop up out of it. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put one of them across the front of it. And they'll have to jump it then. Uh, it'll be more entertaining. I, I, I'll enjoy watching them more anyway. They mightn't enjoy it, but I will. I would only have uh, a glance and interest in, in horses. I wouldn't be deeply involved in it. But most people are the very same. It's, it's a fantastic pastime. And the hunt also provides a great outlet for doctors and accountants that are stuck in offices from one end of the week to the other. He had one day a fortnight out. I think they were only scratching the surface as regards the potential that's there for recreation. And they, they, we need more recreation. This Celtic Tiger needs to be slowed down and we need more recreation. Well, I had three children and um, we just got out of horses completely. My husband's a farmer and we, we actually moved to Jersey and lived there for 12 years. And um, I think I lost my nerve. I just didn't get up on a horse. And then my husband thought that I should have a hobby when I started work in Dublin and um, he got me back into it again and, and told me that he'd have me hunting before Christmas last year which he did and the first couple I was really really terrified and I thought this isn't for me at all but the more I did it the more I the more confident I got I mean I'm still not very confident but I'm I'm certainly better than I was this time last year and I try to get out at least once a week if I can I love to see it going over my land. All the better if they fall into a ditch or two, it's twice as good. But I love to see them enjoying themselves. It's fantastic for them. Like, take a doctor or take even solicitor a busy day's work. It, it takes the, the, the absolute chore out of it if they can look forward to something. So everybody has to have something. I'm not saying they're having something else to look forward, but it's a complete different way. It's absolutely worry-free for them. It's a day out. It's doing us no harm. Absolutely no harm. I think it's. I often saw them coming a real wet day, say in December, January. By the time March had come, you wouldn't see a track on the ground. Not a track. First bit of country happened that we're after hunting, we got nothing, there's no hair, no fox in it. We're drawing this bit of cover now and hopefully there might be something in it. We drew Joe Ging's farm first uh, down to it and then hacked down the lane and into the into the first field and we drew round in a big circle over a couple of hundred acres of land and no, there was no pair of ox in it to hunt. We jumped a few fences there around in a big circle, which you do with Harrier hunting. We're going into a different square of country now and hopefully we'll get something better to hunt and make a day of it. We're out about three quarters of an hour. We're going around, covered uh, probably guts of a thousand acres of land. Mile-wise, I suppose we've done about eight or ten miles so far around as we went. And it's unknown what the hounds do, the distance the cover run here, there, and two and four, and that. <laughs> they're, they're back with me now, as you can see, and uh, I've put them into this cover, and we'll hopefully move on a bit further. 
if I, if I see a hare going up across the field, I'll give a few tally holes and blow the hunting horn and the whips will put the hounds to me and the hounds will go on the scent. Once you ha- hear the hounds certainly give tongue, well, once one gives tongue, the whole lot will run on and give tongue on it and the hunt has started at that stage. I suppose one of the charms of hunting is the unknown. You really don't know what's going to be at the back of a, a big bank, and I have to say I really enjoy that. Um, some of them you come up to are very wide, and you're standing there sort of wondering, what am I doing this for? But at least if you know you're on a good horse, you just point your horse, make sure he has a good look first, and then hope for the best and keep the legs stuck in the saddle. Anybody can hunt if you have the nerve. But I do believe that a good horse is like a good insurance policy. When you come up to something that's very big and dirty or very high, it's nice to know that you're on something that will get you to the other side safely above anything else. And I think it's peace of mind as well when you want to be there at the end of the day in one piece and heading home. I don't go hunting that much during school time, but like any time I have school off, I try to go on as many hunts as I, ha- I can. Like I only go to like two beliver hunts. They're the only times I get school off, just the two beliver hunts. Cause like they're the best hunts. <laughs> I just want to go out and jump the ditches and not bother about the hares or foxes. And yeah, I'd be like hoping the hares get away. I'd be like, won't go away, hare, run. <laughs> I came off. Uh, I was too close behind the, the field master when he was jumping a big ditch. His horse got stuck on the top bank and we jumped really on top of him. And, and, and we were the first one to roll back into the ditch, which was extremely wet and muddy. So that was the story of my falling off. It wasn't a very glamorous falling off. It was an extremely humiliating falling off. And I'm, I'm still wet. At my age, I now have to be hoiked back into the saddle. So somebody else had to get off to hoik me back, which I wouldn't have managed by myself. I've been, I've, been, I've been hunting for about 30 years, but my hunting's been in England, and it's rather different hunting from the hunting in Ireland. Ireland is wild hunting, you're a proper wild country. In England, the country's all manicured. That's why it's such fun to come to Ireland. The first place we drew was blank. There was no hare in it at all uh, across the whole country. And then I went into a hip before thinking there might be a fox in it. And four hares hopped up out of it in the second division of country. And they went, they didn't go on the first one. They went on the second one and we got that spin back across, right across that country, across Bertie's and round in a big circle there. We were going for, what, 20 minutes, I suppose, hard. They were hunting them well. One went one way and the other went the other way. The one we felt, followed the hunter on site for the first two or 300 yards until she went through the ditch. She would have been gaining ground on them at that stage, you know what I mean? But the hunter are through the ditch 
and uh, that and it was good enough to bring them through sometimes you won't get them to hunt a hare through a ditch it was a big place scent wasn't great today well you never get great scent when you have um, that strong sun frost at night and strong sun you want a soft mildish kind of day for scent for good scent and that but no it wasn't brilliant now but it wasn't I've seen worse well I started four years ago with the Tower of Harriers took it up as a hobby got serious but at the end the first year I reckon I was one of the fittest men in the Tower of Harriers because I was mostly running after my horse throughout the whole day because it was being cat jumped out of saddles and this that and the other and just that and the other you know what I mean my horse he, he's a mind of his own uh, we decided there that we wanted to jump down into a big ditch and it was far too wide to jump across. And my horse, as a mind of its own, decided it wanted to jump straight across, took me unawares. So what can you do only hang on to your next strap and just let him off? Simple as that. We better keep up with these crowd here anyway. So tally-ho. Uh, David, the master's horse has just lost a shoe and got slightly cut. So he swapped with me and he's taken my horse to go on because he has to finish the day. So he goes on, I take the lame horse back to the meet. I'm finished for the day, I'm going to walk back to the meet. Oh, that's part of my life. If you're a master's wife, that's the way life works. Jesus Christ, he, he run down and up over, out over the river there. Did you see the fox? Yeah. Where did you see him? the field in front of them, outside there, where we were there. And he run down the river bank and he went a bit to the left and then he crossed. Fox has gone into the cover, into, well, into ground, down in the cover, just short of the cover. We just couldn't get to him where, where, we, where we were standing. So we're going back into the same bit of country again, back across the road, back to where we came from. Right? When I mark the fox to ground, um, we don't dig. We just leave them, leave, leave it be and move on into a new bit of country. We don't bring terriers, wizards and spades to dig them out. We just leave them for the next day. We don't, we don't um, dig out at all, and very few packs do dig out nowadays. They, um, they're anti-end of it and whatnot. The fox is left for another day. In some cases, maybe farmers with, with, uh, with sheep and lambs, maybe if there's a fox, an injured fox in the locality or something like that, yes, they'd want you to kill. Just to kill the fox, for dig him out and kill him, for the, shoot him on, 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 on the day for the farmer. Like if he's doing a lot of harm, killing lambs or hens or something like that. You don't get that much of it, but you get a bit of it. I used to hunt, but I don't anymore. I give it up. I have a bad back. That's the reason why I give it up. I have two discs removed on my back, so I give it up. What do I miss most about it? Well, the enjoyment, the whole thrill of the hunt, like riding the horses, the whole lot. It's fantastic. Sometimes it is dangerous for the horses, yeah. Some of them get hurt, but... They get, they could get galloped around the field and fall and slip and hurt themselves. It's no, no, it's the same thing. They don't actually get hurt. You don't bring them out to hurt them. They, they actually enjoy the hunt more than you do. Their ears start going. You see the horse. It lights up. You know, they know the sound of the horn and the whole lot. 
you get some days out hunting, like about two or three weeks ago, we got a very late um, hunt at the end of the day. And it happened so quickly that we hardly knew what happened. I actually wasn't far enough up to see the hounds working. But all of a sudden we found ourselves in this really, really dirty country. And the first 10 or 12 fields was fine. And as we got further into the country, it looked more and more like a battlefield. There were ponies everywhere. There were people running after their horses. And the next ditch that I came up to, one poor gentleman had broken his collarbone. So we managed to get him up and over that fence and then we had to turn around and try and find a doctor to get him back to the road. And um, we went on because there were a few people looking after him and then we got to the next fence and unfortunately one of my very good friends, his horse had broken his leg. So it is one of those sports where some days everybody arrives home safely and then some days it can be far more dangerous. I know I should wear a back protector but being quite honest with you, my hunting coat is tight enough as it is without being able to put a back protector under it. I do realise that that is no excuse. But however, my little girl comes out hunting with me and she is actually not allowed to sit on her pony without her helmet on and her back protector. And this has just become part of her, her riding thing that she does not sit on her pony without a back protector. I had my first fall today. I usually spend most of before the hunt in the loo. And I usually don't sleep well the night before either because I'm so nervous. But um, for all that, I really, really do enjoy it. It's, it's a wonderful day out, absolutely wonderful. Well, my husband bought him a present for me last Christmas and it cost £1,200. And um, he's a cob, he's 16 hands, and he's, he's wonderful. <laughs> I love him. <laughs> I didn't worry about him until I saw the horse last Thursday falling and breaking his leg and that made, that made me a little nervous but um, no, I, I don't worry too much about it I mean I was a bit concerned last Thursday all right, it was a bit upsetting watching that horse die but um, normally I don't I mean if you were to think about that you'd probably never go out hunting at all We have everybody hunting. I mean, there's no way you can divide the thing into into different, uh, I don't know, social stratas. We don't have that. But there is every occupation re- uh, represented out today. And we also had um, some men of the cloth out with us. We'd have several who hunt with us and love it. And it's great relaxation for them. And the odd time they give us a good, a good word from the pulpit. But uh, great tradition of, of hunting priests in Ireland. People can imply that we have a, 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 a social thing involved with a hunter. We don't, and certainly not anymore, anyway. Well, um, I've hunted for years, and in the other parishes that I've been in, you know, the people never reacted. And the one I'm in now is a very hunting pro-parish anyway, because the local hunt are settled in it. You know, the, the hunt kennels is in it. And uh, most of the farming people are delighted to see the priest out. Most of them are. I suppose the townspeople might have a slightly different attitude, but by and large, I don't think they really mind. That's my understanding of it, anyway. The Tara's like are, you know, a kind of a, a very friendly pack. They're great for a young horse, which that fella is. You know, they're not too... They, they don't go at a relentless gallop, which the other hunts might if they got a good run, you know. So it, it suits that. But um, I know the Tara's are very good. I like them well. The knowledge of the countryside is what this is all about. Uh, I know my part of the country 
the huntsman knows his part and Martin knows his part and that's the key to our success and we really are a successful hunt we went through 30, 40 farmers today and we went and saw every one of them and they know us they'll know me from IFA they'll know Martin from his lime spreading and possibly from his job they'll know Terry when uh, Terry. we used to have a flesh collection service they know Terry from that it's all about uh, you know the communication and the recognising who's who because it makes it so much easier if you go into a farmer and he knows who you are he, he'll trust you today um, we, we didn't have any problems with, with any individual landowner but if a farmer says no he has a damn good reason he's either got new grass laid down um, or sheep and lambs or, or that but we will generally get across that but if, if he is um, anti-hunting that's his prerogative, that's his wish and we'll abide by that uh, I might try and persuade him I might try and change his mind and, and have the debate with him and sometimes succeed but I mean every, every person has their own opinion on, on, on country sports uh, we hope the whole thing will continue I don't believe what we do is cruel other people do um, they come from a different background a different part of society um, I, I keep trying to convince them but the, ba- the debate will continue <laughs> sorry I'm not I keep my horse in livery because it, it suits me. Um, again, I don't really have time anymore to spend the time going out every day exercising him and looking after him. And I also feel because he is a young horse, he can get the attention that he needs there. Um, for 10 years, I did look after my horse, but uh, with the children growing up now and everything, I just find I really just I don't have the, the time commitment to do it. Most livery yards will cost about 60 to 70 pounds a week. Um, and on top of that, then, if you lose a shoe out hunting, that'll be an extra charge if your horse gets sick, you know, or if you possibly need your horse clipped, which will happen about three or four times during the year. Then, if you're getting transported up hunting, you could find that'll be another maybe 20, 25 pounds. But I reckon I'll spend that on diesel anyway if I'm going to tow myself. Relative to other sports, I would reckon that hunting in Ireland is is certainly it's not too expensive. Um, when you take into the consideration now, certainly joining a golf club anywhere near the vicinity of Dublin, you're talking about very major money. It's a little bit more expensive if you live outside the country that you hunt in because obviously you have to pay an extra levy to be a member. If you are a farmer living within the country, it's certainly not very expensive at all. from uh, America, North Carolina. I'm over here just the first time hunting, and I hired this horse, and it's the best horse I've ever set on. Um, the ditches are bigger than anything we have ever jumped. <laughs> They've all been good fences. The worst was probably a little tiny piece of hot electric wire we had to jump, and the biggest was two big ditches. Huge ditches. I'm glad I didn't go off in them. <laughs>
we generally stay out for about two, two and a half hours. And uh, that's from one o'clock to half three, that type of thing. And uh, the country we went round, we hadn't that much country here. So that's all we stay out, about two hours to two and a half hours every day. And, uh, well, we were busy all day. I won't say we had a great day, but we were busy on the move all the time. And uh, jumped a good few fences and that. I think everyone's happy enough and that. But uh, everything has to come to an end. Filthy jumping, absolutely wonderful. Stayed aboard for the whole two hours. Very happy about that. A lot of the time today it was difficult to see because all the banks and ditches had trees on them and you were so busy concentrating actually on what you were going over. If you were a little bit behind that, um, it was actually difficult to see the hair, but you could see the hounds working away and giving tongue. It's the sound that a dog, like a dog barking, once the hounds head on the scent of either a fox or a hare, they give tongue, which is the noise that they make once they catch the scent of a hare or a fox. It's called giving tongue. This is my fellow, yeah? Yeah, he's 13 now. I've had him since he was a four-year-old, so... We've uh, had a lot of good times together. And this is a stablemate cracker. This is my wife's horse. And these are all stablemates together, the four of them. Yep. They give great... Yeah. Uh, they give great... Well, thank you, Doc! Brian and Vincent are great. Any any hunt I go to, they always give me a lift back. They're absolutely fantastic. I mean, it's a long hack back. It's a three mile. It was a three mile hack back today, and the lads very kindly gave me a lift back. If you want to wash a cut here, we have. See this? We're going to need a. This we jumped a bad bit of a thorn in it. You'd have to feel his old legs for black tar and sticks. Yeah, yeah. He's clean enough. The powder now will go back with that. And that'll dry up. This horse will hunt um, hunt next horse there. Hopefully in the hill down. He hunts two days a week, this little lad. He's a great hunter. Absolutely. He's, he's on his second hunting season. And the lad beside him there now is on his fourth hunt. Super hunters. Super horses. Is that cut clean, Mr. Yeah, it is, yeah, it is cut. Oh. Yeah, it's clean, yeah. Yeah, there's nothing in it. Dry now, put a bit of powder on that. Job socks up. Now we'll give it a bit of hit. The dress code. Well, the dress actually is the stock that we're wearing here, what we're talking about. Well, that there basically is tied on tight enough. There's a style in how it's tied, actually. And that's tied on tight enough in such a way that you won't get a whiplash. That's the same thing getting a whiplash, you get a bad bang in the head from a bow of a tree, or even coming off. You tie on that tight enough that you wouldn't get your finger down there. That's severely tied on during the day. And then in the event of the horse getting cut, 
Out there, bad cut. Flip it off. And that makes a bandage for his leg. The coat is much the same. It would protect you from a bad cut. Or even this time of the year, thorns are. Black thorns again, like, you take a stab from a black thorn, it was poisonous. Especially in this time of the year when it come into, comes into flower. That wouldn't penetrate with a black thorn. That's maybe the rest of the jolpers are just for comfort for riding on the boots. For get, keeping your leg and getting tore from the leather. Yeah. I had my second fall today. I was jumping this jump and a horse came alongside me and jumped it in on top of me and he knocked me off. But I was okay. He was very apologetic and got off his horse to give me, give me a lift back up again and I'm fine. It was a fly fence, a small fence, no problem at all. I wasn't even nervous jumping into it. And um, the next thing is this horse came up on my left and just jumped right in on top of me and knocked me. I don't suppose it was his fault either. I mean, maybe his horse, he just couldn't control it. I don't know. But anyway, he knocked me off. I was doing my job in front, so now I'm not able to talk now. <laughs> We're in the pub drinking anyway. <laughs> Me and non drinking. It's brilliant here after the hunt. The ditches get much bigger. The one you jump, it's only two foot six. It's ten foot six again to leave the pub at night. They, they're enormous. I was out with the Westmeads on Saturday and they were talking, they were in Delvin on the Wednesday before and, and this fella fell into a, a ditch of water and they were calling him, was he doing a breaststroke or was he doing the, what, what kind of water wings? And listening to them, you'd think it was the bind he was at the fall into and I said to a, a friend of his, was it a big ditch of water? Not at all, it was only an ordinary ditch of water. He says, was it, you couldn't swim in it, he says, he just fell into it. But we were slagging him that it was, you know, and this is, this is the life. You know, the scripts on your face or on someone else's face or the clay on the backside of the trousers. Chad Burst say, Ah, oh, you fell off, you bought a farm today. You know, it's all part and parcel of the hunting. Say, Yeah, I bought a bit of county mead today, it's great. You know, it's cheap farm or blah, blah, blah. This is, this is the crack in the pub always. And so it could be 12 o'clock at night again, some of them would leave. The blood gets up, you know, when you're, you're kind of. I used to be nervous going out hunting when I first started, and uh, you know sometimes it'd be yeah. I used to years ago now, a long time ago. <laughs> but uh, no, you do. Um, it's, it's amazing the way when the blood gets up and hounds are hunting and you're all galloping along like the clappers. So you kind of forget and you just you, you've jumped things before you even notice that you've gone over them. Yeah, if you think about you know, it, you won't do it. Like you know what I mean? You don't think actually because once the blood gets up and you're running, you just do it, and you know it's just keep up at all costs. Yeah. If you were really hunting fast now or that type of thing, you, you wouldn't, you couldn't meet the bind and it wouldn't bother you. You know what I mean? You'd, you'd I mean, jump in and say. Jump today. I don't think I would jump that if I was wasn't out hunting. I came down to it in cold blood and jumped it. Well, you would. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it doesn't bother me now about cold blood or uh, like hunting. So I'm not, I stood there yeah. for ages and then. But if I wasn't hunting, I wouldn't jump it. Would you not? No, you wouldn't go out to school over. I wouldn't either, probably. You know. If you're on good horse, it's no problem. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's you half have to the battle. Yeah, I'm speaking out in terms. But once we had these anti group who are pretty scruffy individuals, maybe they won't like hearing that. And they they came down and they blew hunting horns and they sprayed centre around the air. And the local farmers and most of the people were horrified. Yeah. And apparently, the local farmers went over to their cars, let the 
air out of the towers and said, you can stay there, we don't care if we never see you again. Well, actually, I did have one similar experience that I'd forgotten about about three years ago with the Wicklows. Um, a crowd of uh, university students came down from Dublin uh, protesting, and they were all, you know, real students in runners running around the country in little canvas shoes with cans of mace. One guy came up, one girl came up to me, and she walked right up in front of my horse. And I said, you, you know, there were ten horses behind me and down in a little lane, and she's and she started sort of fending me off at the mace, saying, if you come near me, I'll spray your horse with mace. And I said, well, if you do that, I'm going to be killed, and I have three children, because my horse is going to rear up, and he's probably going to fall on top of me, and I'm going to be killed, and I have three kids. So I uh, hope you appreciate what you're doing here. So... Um, Anyway, the farmers, anyway, the followers, there must have been about 50 or 60 local farmers out following on foot that day, and they led uh, a couple of the aunties, there was about six of them in a car, they led them down a lane and said, oh, the hunt went this way, they led them down a lane, and then they, they blocked in their car with the jeep and went off and left it there for about six hours. <laughs> they couldn't get back to Dublin. <laughs> but, I mean, the farming people really resent these people coming down and interfering in their way of life. They, you know, they don't understand it. It's country life and they are yeah. town people or city people or something. That you really should have a camera on such a beautiful girl who enjoys her life and gives us enormous amount of joy all around the place. How do people react to me who don't hunt and hear that I do? Well, we'll always have the argument and the debate. I, I generally avoid it. I would prefer to be confronting the issue with somebody who is very, very anti because you can have a good go at them. But if somebody's not too fussed about it, it doesn't become a great debate, whether you're sitting at a dinner or whatever. Um, it does come up at time to time. We all try and put our spoke in, but verbally and within the confines of, of language, it's, it is difficult. It's very difficult to convince somebody just in a few minutes of what we do and why we think it's right and why we don't see anything wrong with it. Uh, but we'll continue the battle, and, and no doubt we will have a battle on our hands.